1: If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to
0: help. One heart at a time.
1: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome to The Inner Life for this Friday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. And what is your favorite food? What's that one thing that you go for over anything else? Do you crave maybe a really good burger or maybe it's pizza? Do you have a pizza place you like to go to? Or would you rather have Chinese takeout? Or maybe you're like Patrick Madrid who loves tacos and Mexican food. Is there something... That maybe you grew up with, you know, your mom or your dad made that food or maybe a grandmother or a grandfather and it's still that nostalgic favorite for you. Or maybe you're like me and there's so many good things out there, so many delicious choices out there that you can't narrow it down just to only one type of food or only one meal. Now, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and people out there would talk about having a barbecue in the summer. In Washington, in Oregon, and Idaho, when I heard this, this meant that burgers and hot dogs would be cooked over coals out on the grill. And as a kid, I didn't really realize that everybody was using that word, barbecue, incorrectly. But I ended up going to college in Alabama. And in Alabama, I learned what barbecue really is. And anybody who lives in the South would automatically say, oh, well, you know, it's when smoke is involved in that cooking process. And typically, the meats that are smoked... They're cooked at this really nice low temperature, really slowly, and that gives more opportunity for that smoke to permeate the food, to make its way through the meat, and if it's done correctly, then that meat is tender and juicy, and so when I had real barbecue in Alabama for the first time, I knew I wanted more. Uh, It was delicious, and it might not be my all-time number one favorite food, but it's up near the top. And outside of the time that I was in college, I've never lived in the South, and so my adult life, while I've been to some really good barbecue restaurants throughout the northern states in the U.S., I wanted to recapture that that flavor that I experienced in college. So for years and years now, I've been working, trying to get better and better at creating those barbecue flavors, just how I want them, just how I like them. Uh, you know, ribs that fall off the bone, or or almost fall off the bone, uh, pulled pork that you know as soon as. You put a little pressure, it just shreds automatically. Uh, Smoked chicken, tender, succulent, you know, has that great smoky flavor to it. Now, if you're listening down in Texas, you probably noticed out of that list, there's one thing I hadn't mentioned, and that's brisket. And for years and years, I've wanted to try and smoke a brisket, but it's intimidating. It takes a lot longer to cook than anything else I've ever put out on the smoker. And on top of that, it's an expensive cut of meat. So you don't want to ruin it. You don't want to feel like you've wasted a lot of money if it doesn't turn out well. But last summer, I decided to try and cook a brisket, and I did a lot of reading beforehand. I watched different tutorial videos online, and I did a lot of research quite thoroughly to a point that I felt I would be pretty successful at my very first attempt of smoking a brisket. And so the night before, I ended up getting everything prepped and got up early the next morning. I think I was up at about three or three thirty that morning to get the brisket out and get it started. So it's dark, you know, getting everything started, and it went great. It, it turned out, it turned out really well. I was very happy with it. It took about eighteen hours, but it was tender, had that nice smoke ring around it. Um, and I did this at the beginning of the summer, and then towards the end of the summer, I said, "Well, I'll, I'll try it again." Now, when a brisket is cooking, the temperature of the meat has this nice, slow, gradual, steady climb. But you see it. You know, each hour you can see it's climbing up uh, through those several first hours of cooking. But once the internal temperature hits somewhere around 160 degrees, it stalls. And it just stays there, maybe for a couple hours, maybe even for three, depending on how big the brisket is. Now, you want the final temperature to be up around 195 degrees or a little higher But when it hits that stall point, you just have to sit there and wait. When I did that second brisket later in the summer, everything was going fine, and we hit that stall point at 160 degrees, and uh, my wife and some of my kids were sitting out on the patio. You know, we've been drinking iced tea, and that stall time, it just seemed to drag on forever, longer than the first brisket, to the point that I started to get worried I knew that that stall was coming. I knew it would happen, but the time just dragged on. Two hours, two and a half hours, coming up on three hours, and it probably didn't help with all that iced tea. I've got that caffeine that's got me amped up, and I, I'm I'm getting a little nervous. I'm get a, getting worried, and I started to think about, where did I go wrong here? Uh, how did I mess this up? And I started second-guessing myself. But I I finally just said, okay, calm down, Josh. Uh, Just be patient for a little while longer. And that was exactly what I needed to do. My patience was rewarded because finally, then the internal temperature did start to climb back up. And that brisket, uh, it turned out really good. Um, My fears, they dissipated when I took the brisket into our kitchen. And finally, after it rested for a little while and cut into it, it was better than that first one I did earlier in the summer. And all of that worry, that nervousness, that second-guessing, it was all for nothing then. And even though I had smoked that brisket earlier in the summer, this time when things didn't go exactly how I expected them to go, I started to have those doubts. And it, is, it isn't easy to—it's uh, so easy for us to have those doubts when things don't go exactly how we want them to go, when they don't, when they don't go according to what we think the plan should be. And I think it can be even more difficult to deal with those doubts on our spiritual journey because instead of dealing with only the physical world around us, when we look at the the spiritual realities, it can be easy to start to question or doubt when things don't seem to be going quite right. And that's what we want to examine today on the inner life, those times when doubt... When we, when we have that doubt, how we can strengthen our faith so that when those trials, those difficulties come our way, we can stand firm in our faith, we can stand firm in our knowledge that we have a God who loves us, who cares for us, who wants the best for us. And so we're going to invite you to call in with your own experiences. When have you struggled with doubts in your life? And what helped you to be able to move past those doubts? Or maybe you're struggling with some doubts in your faith journey right now and uh, we're going to talk about that with our spiritual director today Father Matthew Witter a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee he's the parochial vicar at St John Newman St Williams St Joseph and St Mary in Waukesha Wisconsin and Father Matthew welcome back to the inner life uh, so glad to have you here today as we talk about doubt and, and kind of give ourselves a little bit of a foreshadowing of the upcoming gospel uh, this Sunday
2: Exactly. And I I love the the reflection, the story that you told. And I I was grateful that you told that story within the octave of Easter (laughs) and not on Good Friday. Whatever, torture. It was great. I could just kind of smell it here on the other side of the line. But uh, great, great, great story to, to introduce the topic of. Of, of doubt and, and the worry, the nervousness, the second guessing that can that can come into our minds.
0: Yeah, you know, and as I was reflecting on, uh, you know, why do we have doubts? What, where does that come from? I was wondering, do you think this is something that is just common? It's a human experience, or is it is it a form of spiritual warfare for us? Um, I ask that because I was thinking back to the story of Adam and Eve. And when Satan comes to Eve in the garden as the serpent, his main ploy is to make her doubt what God has told her about the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you know uh, he he says, you know has God really said if you eat of uh, you know any of the fruit in in the garden that you'll die well no, that's not exactly it but he starts sowing these doubts so do all doubts come from Satan or one of his demons, or is it perhaps tied to that stain of original sin that we've all inherited?
2: I think you know. First of all, I think to acknowledge going back to the you know the original story, the original sin. What's what's kind of scary about that, and also enlightening about that, is if the devil was able to get them to eat fruit in that state of original holiness, yikes! For us, right, right. And so, you know, if, if, if the devil, when before original sin, was able to get them to fall into doubt and temptation, for us that means, yikes, because what it means is, is that there's, there's, of course, many times the devil tempts us with, with doubts and loves to plant those seeds of doubt, and at the same time, it's also part of our, our human nature to, to question, and the devil just loves to kind of flip God around and make it seem like God is an adversary uh, of ours, Especially especially in those times where we 're waiting, and things are perhaps uh, not going as as we expected
0: yeah so if we if we can look back at that and say, well, there is that tie in to that spiritual warfare aspect or the original sin, you know, and, and like you say uh, if if we have the stain of original sin, if Adam and Eve were there in a state of of holiness, then is there a point where when those doubts come in, maybe they don't start out as sin, but can they lead us to a point where we are in in a state of, of sin just by the doubts themselves? Or no, that's that's not really a sin at all, and it's really not until we act on the doubts that might be leading us um, that we that we enter into uh, sin.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great question and a great. There's a couple different things in there. A question in and of itself, a question in and of itself, and perhaps questioning why is something happening or where are you, God, is not necessarily a bad thing. And in fact, doubt within the within the question of of, of God's presence and in a in a doubt and asking the question why or how or what can actually bring us. A deeper conversion. Similar, like you talked about with, with the meat and the, the, the brisket and the temperature going up, there's this steady climb that, that we, we kind of have to go through. So questioning our Lord in a way that brings us into deeper faith and with, within the presence of our Lord leads us to a deeper faith. But if we seek to question outside of God, that's when, when some of the, 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 the sin can enter in. Because when we, when we completely lose touch with, with the source of our grace and the source of all love, Yikes! Then, then any sin becomes possible.
0: Right uh, now, that you know the the counterpoint to that then is going to be looking to how we can strengthen our faith. Mm-hmm. And so, what are some good steps initially that we might look at and say, "Okay, I'm dealing with some doubts in my life." You know, where, wherever it might be. What are things that might be good first steps where we can say, "Okay, I, I, I know I've got this faith. I'm struggling with doubts. How can I reinforce my faith? Where do we start?"
2: I think in the moment, in the moment of doubt, in the moment of you know, why is this happening, Lord? To take a moment and to, to, to say, "Lord, send me Your Holy Spirit." To you know, for example, in, in the in that story of the original fall. What's, what's very telling is that the first thing after Adam and Eve eat from the fruit, the very first words that, that God speaks to them are, "Where are you?" And it's an interesting phrase, like "Where are you?" Because God did not the first thing God did God did not condemn them and blast them. Um, God asked a simple question, "Where are you?" And so we even see from from even the heart of our Lord how many times, you know, a, a question, a question. God asks us questions. To bring out a deeper sense of faith, God doesn't. God knows the answer. God knows what's going on, but we don't always do that. And and even you know, just even going further in Genesis with with Cain and Abel, um, when the Lord senses the, the evil building within Cain's heart, you know, He asks first, "Why are you so resentful and crest- why are you so resentful and crestfallen?" The sense of how, how many times when we start by by saying, "Okay, Lord, what is going on here?" <laughs> like just the start there, instead of "Ah, Lord, you have abandoned me." Don't go down that path, but. Lord, what is going on? Help me, help me to see so that that would probably be the first thing to kind of create space because it's so easy to hit the panic button and uh, kind of abandon whatever we're doing and you know that, that panic button that always the devil always loves us when we hit it but to 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 kind of wait in in hope and and to wait with you know first of all, asking that question that's always good. Uh, you know second thing is is that many times within within a sense of of doubt or in, in an unexpected circumstance, you know, sometimes we think of our present situation like our circumstance defines our belief. And that's the next thing. It's there's an old parable about people that were blindfolded and they, they touched an elephant but they didn't know it was an elephant and, and each of them when they touch it blindfolded thinks it's a different you know a different animal based on the part of the elephant what they're touching, but they just see one thing and not the big picture. So that would be the second thing. Lord help me to know that you know that in the midst of doubt, in the midst of questioning that there's there's a bigger picture. And then, and the last thing, and this might be might seem not maybe what you're expecting is ask God for evidence of 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 what of, of, of where God is working in your life, and we see that actually coming up this this weekend with with Thomas. He's that kind of analytical uh, saint of our faith, and there is some truth and some merit in the midst of doubt. The faith is not just made up random facts. <laughs> there's there's proof behind them, and we have to be look. We have to be open to to look for the
0: evidence. Yeah, well, and that was one of my thoughts too. Is that you know, uh, in those times of doubt, if we can look for those tangible things, those things that we know are you know visible or r- they are in our reality, then we can. We can actually deal with the intangible better at that point. We can have that reliance, that assurance uh, of the things that we can or maybe cannot see and touch. Um, I I remember years ago hearing a quote from the evangelist Billy Graham, and he talked about um, uh, how—I think it was something along the lines of, you know, I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of the wind— and uh, he, he, he would talk about, you know, the leaves blowing and seeing, you know, the, the tree branches uh, bowing to the power, the force of the wind. But we can't see the invisible wind itself. And there's many times uh, Father Rocky, our executive director here, he's, he's made the recommendation when you have an answered prayer, keep a journal of it and write down those, those different answered prayers. And that way, when you go back you you have kind of your own gospel, you know, the gospel according to Father Rocky or the gospel according to Josh or the gospel according to Father Matthew, because then you can say, you know, there was this time that God answered this prayer and then he answered this and then I thought I wanted this, but then, you know, in retrospect, I can look back and I can say, boy, God was really directing me here. So you, you get that ability to look back and say God was always leading or he was always trying to guide me to the place he wanted me, even if that wasn't what I wanted, you know, and then we we we've both you and I have made that that comment, things don't go according to plan or don't turn out exactly how we thought they should, um, and even that right there can be an occasion for doubt. Yeah, yep. Especially when we, when we have,
2: isn't that just that we often have our plans and our plans, who knows what they're based on, right? And uh, and they don't go according to our way, and we're 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 devastated, and, and it's we know that that's we've all we've all experienced that and that that that's that insight from Father Rocky is is, is wonderful. You know, the gospel according to and, and to remember, the word remember comes into my mind. It's interesting in the Old Testament how when God is leading the people to the promised land, you know, what did he always often say is remember, remember, remember what I did for your fathers. What do we do? We forget. And like especially in moments of where we're in a point of, of, of we're on a good Friday within our own lives where so we're questioning what's going on is exactly to have that, that sense of a, a written copy or a memory of, of how God has been faithful, perhaps not always in the way that we expected, uh, but that God has, has been faithful. That's, that's such a great practical, tangible way of, of helping uh, offset and, and in, encounter the, the doubts and questions we might have at times.
0: have you struggled with doubts in your own life? And if you have, what helped you to be able to move past those doubts? Maybe you're struggling with some doubts right now and you're not sure how, how how to get around them or how to deal with them. Well, that's why our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, is here. Father Matthew is a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and we are talking about doubt. Looking ahead to this Sunday's Gospel reading, Uh, where we'll see Thomas who says, I will not believe until I touch the nail scars in his hand and put my hand into his side. For the resurrected Jesus. When have you dealt with those doubts in your own life? You can give us a call and share your experience. 888-914-9149. Has dealing with those doubts and being able to move past them helped you to grow stronger in your faith? 888-914-9149. Or you can email us at relevantradio.com More on the inner life here coming up in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester.
1: If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter. And coming up this Sunday, we're going to hear that reading of Thomas, the Apostle, who wasn't with the rest of the Apostles when they saw the resurrected Jesus, our resurrected Lord, and so he said, I will not believe until I see him, until I can put my finger into the nail, uh, nail scar through his hand, put my hand into his side, and... We have that image of Thomas, and it's always been then, forever after, associated with doubting. And when have you struggled with doubts in your life? What what has been that thing that helped you overcome those doubts? Maybe you're struggling with those doubts right now, and you need a little of advice. You need some help on your spiritual journey. You can give us a call at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Or you can email us innerlife at relevantradio.com and Father Matthew. Uh, before the break we were talking about uh, asking for evidence, one of those things. You talked about, you know, waiting with hope. And uh, that that's one way that we can look when we have those doubts that come our way. We can we can wait and not get so caught up in the moment. And we can also then look at kind of the bigger picture. Uh, you know, when we're in the midst of it, that's not always so easy. But then you said it's not—it's not—you uh, uh, know—unreasonable to ask for evidence. And so maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit more. Uh, what What are some ways that we can approach God and ask for that evidence?
2: There's a There's a misperception in faith that faith is is um, just completely blind faith, like it's based on nothing, just whatever someone says, you just believe it. And you know, we kind of say. That, you know that's not necessarily faith that's kind of almost if i say stupidity in a way <laughs> like our, our faith is is meant to be based uh, on, on, uh, on on a solid foundation of jesus christ and and the the, the the most solid foundation of evidence like literal evidence we have is is the resurrection of jesus christ that's we know it 's a spiritual reality, but we know it's also like in the history like historically Jesus was a real person who died and and rose again, and we know it because even within our faith, you know, Christ is not asking us to believe all these things without, you know, without evidence, such as the resurrection. And so, even on our on our own journeys um, within our, our faith, there's many different ways of encountering kind of a tangible reality of, of our Lord's presence. And and the prayer that that Jesus really prays at the end, when he says, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. You know, blessed are those who have not seen and believed. And and those, you know, that's that's a blessing over all of us. We haven't perhaps literally seen Jesus as, as Thomas did, but we've seen those who have. You know, we talk about faith. It all goes back to we've all the faith has been passed on to us from a from a person to a person to a person to a person to a person who ultimately knew Jesus. And so, our faith is—is is it just blind faith? Just random faith? Just believe this for the sake of believing? No, it's 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 grounded in, in the the historical reality even. And the historical fact of, of the resurrection of of Jesus Christ as, as being kind of really the starting point when we talk about when we talk about evidence
0: so uh, when jesus when we look at his life, when we look at yeah there is this historical um, Jesus there, even with that, we seem to live in this world where we hear, I think now more than ever a lot of voices who very loudly try and denounce anyone who is religious or goes to church as simple-minded or anti-intellectual. And, you know, you talked about a blind faith, but there's also kind of this, um, you know, well, if you need that as a crutch, you know, then you can, oh, yeah. you can you know, use your faith or your, you know, uh, how do you think we should respond when we're confronted with this type of message and not allow ourselves to get swayed by maybe some catchy little phrase or some common talking point that one of these people may use that, you know, it might sound reasonable at first, but if it's really examined, it doesn't hold that much substance or it can be easily pointed to and say, well, that doesn't take into account this or that or, you know, this part of our faith. And how can we avoid those kinds of pitfalls, Um, you know, and maybe that's something else we can talk about. How do we avoid falling into doubt. You know, I, I, I would imagine everybody at some point in their lives will experience some sort of doubt in their faith, whether it's small or large, but are there ways that we can kind of prevent ourselves from uh, being more susceptible to falling into doubt?
2: Yep. I think that the, the, the number one way of, of does doubt still have to do questions still arise? Yes. And, and God uses questions often to draw us into deeper faith. We, when we see in the Gospels, the amount of times Jesus asks his apostles, you know, different different questions to draw something something deeper out of them. But the number one kind of antidote that we, we perhaps have to, to to when we get into those moments of questioning and 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 saying, "Where are you, Lord?" The number one antidote we have really are are the scriptures. The, the scriptures is is God's words, and one one of the things that's so um, encouraging to myself when I'm going through difficult times or praying for those going through difficult times and saying, Lord, why this person is suffering so much and, and everything? You know, when, when I get into the God's Word, when I get into the Bible, God's Word and the, the story of the Bible is very much parallel to our lives. You know, if, if, if the Bible, reading the Bible is all kind of everything is great and life is good and all these things, everything is perfect all the time, I would say something is making it, make it sense here. But when you get into God's Word, you, you, you have the best of the best and the, the most graceful moments, and then you have, you know, the of the low moments, even when Jesus, you are know, quoting the Psalm, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" And when, when we get into God's Word, we say, "You know what? God's Word in the Scriptures—that really feels—that <laughs> feels like my life. It's not all happy-go-lucky. There's there's the reality of suffering. There's the reality of of of, of torment of, of the cross. There's also glory, and like that models life. And so, in the Scriptures. That's our first antidote, even in those moments when we're down, to know that God has a word for us and know that the scriptures really tend to, to model, shadow our, our lives. The other thing is to have uh, a, a good friend, someone that you can lean on, someone that well, you know that you're not in it alone, because as Christophonic, like I heard it say first, you first, know, our mind is a, is a scary, scary neighborhood. Don't go alone, and that's the other thing. God's word, but we also need a community. We need someone that we can... We can share our heart with, we can share our mind with that we're, because when we're caught in our own mind at times in those dark moments, we can go down some bad paths, right? The, our, our mind can be a, a bad neighborhood. And so we need, we need good spiritual friends that can, can also speak truth in us and, and be with us, just be with us in, in those dark places.
0: Yeah, there, there's that very easy ability when we are, especially if we're going through some difficulty in our lives, it can be easy to think, well, everything, you know, you get that pessimistic outlook and everything then yeah. ends up becoming, well, this is against me and that's against me. And, you know, that person, well, they obviously did that on per, on purpose to, you know. <laughs> Hurt me, or to you know? Uh, I bet they're speaking things behind my my back while I'm not around. Uh, so yeah, it is important uh, to to make sure that we don't get caught up in that kind of downward spiral. But you also brought up again, you know, you've brought up several times those questions: Why are you allowing this to happen? And I had that happen with a, a woman I know where she said. That um she did end up eventually coming back to her faith. But when I first met her, she actually said, no, i'm I'm an atheist." And the reason that she gave was, uh, "Why would there be a God when I watched the suffering that my grandmother went through before her death? And you you talk about asking these questions. The, the question itself is not a problem. Sometimes it's tough where we don't feel like we get an answer right away. Uh, how should we allow those questions to help us on that faith journey when we are dealing with doubts? What's the right way to ask questions, and maybe what's the improper way to ask questions that can be harmful?
2: That's a great point that you made, Josh. The, the questions, questions in, and of, in and of themselves are is not the problem and that's that's a great just just a great insight that the question can lead us to that that deeper that deeper sense but when we sometimes it's uh, it can be similar to uh you know sometimes you watch these uh you know tv reporters if it's a sports game or something and they'll say instead of asking a question they'll say well that was a bad game or you you you, you know more of a statement instead of a question the statement is usually, at times, can be, you know, kind of uh, have a little bit of a kind of a pointed direction that they're asking a question, but already an- they've already answered the question themselves. And so I think when we, when we ask our questions as, as statements, you know, we're kind of asking the question, we're answering the question before we ask the question. I think to be, to, to truly ask the question and then, and then to have the patience to, to sit and to wait with it, to know that perhaps our question that we're, that we're asking is not going to get answered you know within within five seconds it might it might but at the same time we also have to be to be to cautious to you know when we ask the question that the question of itself isn't the problem it can lead to deeper understanding but when we ask those questions as, as statements where we've answered the question already for ourselves um, instead of asking the question then having really having the strength and the courage the perseverance to to wait, to wait. And and many times what we'll find is when we wait, even we get deeper, like a deeper sense of understanding, even from the initial understanding we got.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned that we have to be careful that we haven't already answered that question for ourselves when we ask it. And that probably is another part there. Do we really want an answer? Or are we asking a question just for the sake of venting, for complaining, Or do we really want that true answer? Uh, You know, that might be another aspect there that we could look at. Is if we're really looking for an answer, then I'm sure you encounter this in your own life, Father. I know I do. Where I'll be talking with someone, and maybe we don't see eye to eye on something, and it's it's a difficult thing. Then for me, and I know it is for other people because I've experienced it on the other side too, where. You have your opinion on something, and you're trying to express and convey that, but then the other person doesn't want to listen. They already have their response formulated before they've even listened to what you're saying
2: yeah yep. that's 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 a great insight too that's that's a great way of putting it uh, You know we we don't see eye to eye and we're we're kind of stuck in our camp and we don't we don't, we don't, want, we don't want to hear what the other person. Has to say, and, and especially with the faith, so often I, you know, I hear that time and time again, many times after, you know, d- moments of deep suffering, where we've, like, like a friend you mentioned before, who was an atheist for a bit. You know, we kind of we answer the question for ourselves before mm-hmm. really asking the question and, and seeing what the what the Lord has in mind, because what's what's also in, in the same sense as many people will say, you know, how can like that, that example in that situation that you shared, how, how can I believe in a God who allows this type of suffering? It's also amazing on the other end how many people will come back after going through a, a, a terrible suffering, and they'll say, I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, you know, I wouldn't change anything. And it's, I probably even hear that more than, you know, where are you, God? We, we ask that we, we might have that at first, but it's amazing how many people after some of the deepest suffering will say, I wouldn't change a thing. Wow. You know
0: yeah, yeah, it makes me think of you know the the finely polished metals or the the gems that we have. Uh, you know, my wife even has a rock tumbler at our house and those rocks, they'll go for days or even weeks where they're just being tumbled inside this rock tumbler uh, with the grit, the sand in there that's just slowly working them down and polishing them. But by the time it's done with the process, they're beautiful they look so much better than they ever did when they first went into that rock tumbler and so that idea of knowing that yeah suffering it's awful when we're going through it it might be difficult you know we might just having being worked down at the time but we come out more beautiful on the other side
2: that's such a good image such such a good image it, it in the moment it's you know, make it stop, ouch. You know, if those rocks could talk, they would say, Stop that probably if they if they could talk and it's it's similar even to the you know, when Jesus says, Unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies means remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies it bears it bears much fruit. And isn't that the the paradox of that? You know, the seed before it's planted in the garden or in the field, it's it's a seed. It's it's just there. It's it's not bearing any fruit. But when it when it dies, when it's buried and if that seed could talk, and the, when the you know the dirt is kicked over the top, it'd probably say, "Stop burying me!" You know, if it, if it you know, if a
0: seed right, just seed leave talk, me alone. Right,
2: <laughs> leave me alone stop that. Right, stop that. But it's in that that, that that time of of being buried, covered in darkness, that all of a sudden it finds, you know, new life that that bursts for bursts forth.
0: Yeah, our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And we're talking about dealing with those doubts that we have come up in our life. When have you had that time? And just like we're talking about with the grain of wheat, with uh, the rocks that are polished, has there been that time you've struggled with doubt, but because you went through that trying time, that difficulty – you were able to come out and you found your faith strengthened. You found yourself moving closer to Christ in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're struggling with that doubt right now and you need a little help. You need some advice. You can give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can email us, life at relevantradio.com. And we'll be back with more here with Matthew Witter on The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter. I want to also remind you, maybe you heard a little earlier this hour, there was a a little promotional spot that ran, and it talked about Father Rocky and Drew Mariani this Sunday at 3 o'clock central in the afternoon. They're going to have a special live broadcast which will include Exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, All for Divine Mercy Sunday. And you'll have the opportunity to call in with your prayer intentions. Uh, Very, very special holy hour there. So I hope you can tune in at 3 p.m. Central this Sunday and join Father Rocky and Drew Mariani for that. Today we're talking about doubts, dealing with our doubts and how we might struggle with those, but hopefully you've been able to move past them Maybe you are struggling with doubts right now, and our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, is here helping us examine that topic and how we can strengthen our own faith. And if you uh, have that journey that you've been on, you can give us a call and share your experience in overcoming those doubts, or maybe, like I say, you're struggling with them. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. And Father Matthew, let's go to the phones. We've got Mike, who's listening in Orlando. Hi, Mike. Welcome to The Inner Life today.
3: Thank you for taking my call, and I appreciate you having The Inner Life. It's a Great program. I just uh, heard your discussion and and the subject. I just wanted to say, uh, uh, I went through what what you're talking about uh, this past year with COVID. Uh, I feel like beginning of COVID, I was in a good spiritual place, so to speak, you know, going to mass, uh, trying to uh actively read scripture and such and uh, really went through a kind of a dark night of the soul as it's been described and by different uh, people um i just really lost really lost my faith uh during the last year i was on furlough for four months and uh just wondered if i was going to get hired back because of my age uh fortunately i was thank god but uh being in florida uh they were. We, of course, the churches were open a little bit earlier, and I could have gone back to Mass, but I didn't go back until Lent uh, this year, and uh, Lent ended up being a really, really special time, but I'll tell you, if you're having those doubts, it's a, it's a very hard place to be, but two things really, I can tell you, brought me back. Um, the, I would say number one was my desire and hunger for the Eucharist. I just missed it so much. Um, that, and I think it was touched on earlier by the, by, uh, the father of having friendships. Uh, a group of three to five of us meet every Thursday morning on zoom. And that really kept me going, even though I was in the dark and I didn't have much to say about how my spiritual life, I didn't feel like I had one for a while. Um, I really believe that that friend, those friendships kept me going until I that it, it came back, and I'll tell you, anybody who's in this position, just don't give up. Keep praying. Keep keep doing the things that you do, even when you don't feel like doing it, and uh, God will come back.
2: That's that's a great insight, Mike. And that's like you said, you you were in a good spiritual spot before going into Lent, and then with everything shutting down, losing a job, not being able to receive the Eucharist. He, you know, usually it's it's a, it's a challenge because right usually when we go through those personal challenges, we lose a job. We, you know, we, we, we go to church, we receive the sacraments, and within this year, of course, the churches are still been present in different ways. But to not be able to receive the Eucharist is that makes it even a, a even even a tougher time, right? I mean, like you said, I had a hunger to receive the Eucharist. Th- those are those are great 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 points. You mentioned Lent. What in particular about Lent was was moving this year? I would say
3: I don't know why when I when I went back, um, I just started going to Mass during the week where I had attended earlier and the Mass was so much more meaningful. I've been a I celebrated my fortieth year this year as being a Catholic. I'm a convert. So um, it was very special to celebrate that 40th anniversary this year, and for some reason, Jesus, he, you he, know, in, in a way that I I can't fully describe to you, but he's he, was, I truly saw and knew that was Jesus. Not that I not that I doubted it before, but I just had a very real presence that he was there on the altar, and every time I received, it, it was like. Uh, you know it was just so real i mean i i you know maybe it's because i didn't have it for so long uh but he just uh and maybe he he gave me a gift of showing himself where i didn't yeah. see him before in the same way you know i mean i know that it's just very kind of hard to to describe in that way but i'll tell you it's been quite a gift it's it's continuing uh i just i had a wonderful lent and i've and i've in that poured it. A point of celebrating Easter, you know we're Easter people now and and just yep. celebrating yes he he has risen he's risen indeed, yep amen,
2: amen, and that's you know that's a powerful powerful like reflection and, and reality of how God spoke to you in that sense of you know the real presence became so real you know even on a deeper level and and it took that it took a trial and a darkness, but on the other side. You know God is God is faithful, and and He showed Himself, and and those, those, uh, you know those those lessons that you give to us to hunger for the Eucharist, and and the importance of friendships, and you know God bless your friends for 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 sticking with you and you staying connected to them because when we get isolated, yikes, that's when things really go downhill. But that's a great great reflection and and, and great. Uh, Great sharing,
0: and Father Matthew. As I, I was listening to Mike share his own journey, one of the things that he mentioned that stood out to me was, you know, it might have just been a gift, and I've experienced that in my own life, where there's something where, um, you know, I I'm struggling with moving forward with, uh, you know, belief in certain way, and then. That gift of faith is given, and it really is just a gift because all of a sudden something switches, you know, and it might only be just, you know, one word that you do hear from a friend, or it might be something that, you know, you read in Scripture, but all of a sudden it's like this light switch just is flipped on, and you wonder why in the world— was I even dealing with that before? And and, and I think that word gift, it, there's no better way to yes. describe it, because, it, you know, as Mike was saying, it's hard It's hard to put it into words.
2: Yeah. That's the, the, the meaning of gift and that sense of God's grace and God's presence, because sometimes even that reality of gift that someone could save— Someone could have said the same thing to you weeks or months ago, right. um, but it's amazing how when it when you know when, when God's grace kind of blesses it, anoints it, it it takes on a life that's outside of anything that we can create. Um, it, it moves mountains, you know, in, in terms of our in terms of our heart.
0: Right. Uh, Katrina emailed us, and she also uh, said, I've found comfort by reading the Psalms when dealing with doubt. But another thing that she says in her email is, it also helps to reach out and help others to get the focus off of my problems. And I think, you know, we've been talking about friends like Mike had mentioned, and we've talked about that before. Have that friend that you can go to. But Katrina brings up kind of a different angle that we can go to our friends, and they might be struggling with something that is as significant, or maybe more difficult than what we're going through, and that can all of a sudden make our own issues, our own doubts, our own uh, difficulties kind of pale in comparison, and help us in our, our in strengthening our faith.
2: Yeah, Katrina makes a great insight and, and just a well-timed comment for all of us. You're right, because. When we when we, we can go down that path, as you alluded to before, where we just go right down a, a path, and everything is it just gets worse and worse and worse, at least within our within our own mind. And the, many times, the best thing is to, is to is to break out of ourselves. I think of even C.S. Lewis. One of his great, many many great quotes was uh, something on the lines of, you know, humility isn't uh, isn't thinking less of ourselves; it's thinking about ourselves less. And Many times that's what can happen. Our own problems can get lodged within our mind and our heart and to to break out and to recognize that there's uh, many, many other sufferings that are, that are make ours look light.
0: Now let's go back to the phones, Father Matthew. We've got William who is listening in Gray Eagle, Minnesota. Hi, William. Welcome to the Inner Life today.
4: Go ahead, I really, William. I really didn't want to go on air, but uh, I, this is a, I have a problem with where the priest is consecrating his host at, 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 at mass Ah. for the consecration. And he's already explained it to me. But Mm -hmm. he's got his host and the Eucharistic Mass host in the, in the bowl covered. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he explained that he did, does it because of Kovik. Okay. And uh, for for a while, I, I but I, then I come up with another question. But I, I bet I didn't ask him after he explained what he why he did it, and it, okay. it was uh, because he. Uh, I said, "Well, why don't you have yours exposed, and the Eucharistic ministers covered?" Okay. And that was my question. Now, why doesn't he do that, or is it all right the way
2: he is doing it? You know, you know, some of it might be. You know, that that priest in that particular situation, I would I would trust his his judgment, and I could say his you know, as a general principle for all priests is what's important at the moment of consecration is is your intent to consecrate the hosts. And so, you know, many priests that even, you know, before the Eucharistic prayer, they'll just even pray to themselves, my intent is to consecrate all these hosts, um, you know, that are on the what's called the corporal, which is the white cloth that's over the altar cloth. So um, if the priest has the intent to Have to consecrate those hosts. Those, those hosts are are consecrated. Not to worry.
0: Good. Well, thanks for the call, William. And uh, we've only got a couple minutes left here, Father, but I did want to go back to that idea of reaching out to friends and uh, some friends that, you know, might not be physically with us but are spiritually a part of our family are the saints. And can we look at the saints? Is there anyone who comes to your mind that we can look at and say, you know, they've dealt with some doubts in their life, but here are some practical ways they've been able to overcome those doubts?
2: yeah the, 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 I don't think there was i don't think there are any saints that had like an easy path per se right. and uh you know perhaps even at this coming into this weekend divine mercy Sunday, even the message of, of of God's mercy had some had some rough rough points of of the journey to being what it is today and even continuous i guess you could say but with with sister Faustina when she you know first heard the the Lord speaking to her about about his mercy and to write write things down in a diary and we know that she, she probably she had questions along the way, and we know from the diary just the amount of um, strength that she took from, um, from her spiritual directors and confessors, especially from uh, Blessed uh, Michael Sepulco, you know, the, the, the sense of, of like, like you said, being connected to people and, and even the, this, the strength that she got from them. And, you know, that, that was God's, especially in the confessional for, for Faustina, was God's way of continuing to affirm, maybe in the midst of doubts, in the midst of is this my imagination? God was faithful through in, in her story, especially through her spiritual director and, and through her confessors. At times, I know she had some some other run-ins along the way where, where people weren't always speaking God's message. But then even the discouragement that she must have faced as as the as the image that didn't quite catch on as maybe as quick as she wanted. And we need to we need to get this out. And then of course after Faustina died the message of divine mercy was buried. There was the, right. the bad translation of, of the Polish, and then the message was buried, and then God. And, and so, you know, we can look at those moments there, and it's, it really looks like, you know, a beautiful story, an incredible saint, but the message was was beginning to die. And then in God's perfect providence, and God's perfect plan, he raised up a, a Polish pope, a hmm. bishop who became pope, you know, who, who then was able to... Uh, Said, to, to correct those, those errors that have been made about its message.
0: Right. Father God Matthew interrupts. Witter, our spiritual director, uh, we're down to about 15 seconds here for a final blessing for our listeners.
2: We just pray that our Lord would pour out his love and his mercy upon you, that God would bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Father Matthew, for being our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today. And I want to encourage you. Make sure to join Father Rocky and Drew Mariani on Sunday at 3 p.m. Father Matthew was just talking about the message of divine mercy. And we'll have a special divine mercy hour at 3 o'clock central here on Relevant Radio. So make sure you tune in and have a wonderful and blessed weekend. We'll see you Monday here on The Inner Life.